G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as always. Now, I'm excited for today's episode, which we've called A Recipe of Resources. And we're going to be having a bit more of a practical episode on today's podcast because, Dad, as you know, we've just experienced so much demand for psychological appointments across Geelong and Australia with everything that's gone on this year. In today's podcast, we want to explore some of the other things that you can do to help out your mental health other than just seeing a psychologist. Yes, it's an important issue and we're very glad that people are much more aware of mental health services these days, including accessing psychologists through the Better Access Scheme. But there's a difficulty now that so many people are finding that they can't get to see a psychologist at the moment because the demand has increased so much. So we thought we'd do this podcast episode on what can people do to help themselves that might make a genuine difference. If they're feeling anxious or depressed or having some kind of mental health difficulties, what can they do other than seeing a psychologist in person? And later on, we're going to be having a bit of a chat about our own personal recipe for mental health because it makes a bit of a difference if we can understand a bit of what our own personal recipe is. But I suppose, Dad, just to start off, obviously we come from a psychological focus with both of our backgrounds, but it's not just psychologists that people can go to to seek help for mental health, is it? That's true. There's certainly a range of mental health professionals, but what we might even start off with is even before seeing a mental health professional, being open to talking to a friend or a trusted relative to look to see to get maybe some kind of support. Because if people are struggling with any kind of problem, whether it be anxiety, depression or something else, one of the first things that helps is a degree of social support. And often the real difficulty that people have at first, including in seeing a psychologist, Often the first most difficult thing is the person accepting that they have the problem. The first difficulty is accepting oneself, being vulnerable, being a bit lost, not sure how to go about things, being all at sea and wondering what to do. Well, one of the first things that can help is if someone is able to open up a little bit to someone else, to let someone else know, someone trusted in your family, a close friend, a neighbour or someone who you have found in the past that you can talk to, just to maybe give that person the chance of showing that they can be a bit accepting, a bit understanding if you say in whatever way that you've been struggling in certain kind of ways, that you've been going through a tough time and you just wonder if you could chat to them about something for a little bit. Many people will be open to that, especially if you already trust them and have a relationship with them. And that can be uncommonly helpful for a person coming to accept some difficulty that they have to be able to acknowledge to someone else that they have some kind of difficulty and they're feeling a bit lost with it. Well, it's one of the major themes of this podcast really is to be able to help people do that, give people the tools and confidence to be able to have those conversations, both from the perspective of being listened to, of going to someone else, and also if someone's coming to you at the same time. So hopefully these podcast episodes can be a bit of a resource to help you seek those conversations if they are going to be of benefit to you. But 
it seems to me, Dad, as well, part of the thing about having those conversations with someone, as we've spoken a little bit about on the podcast before, they don't necessarily need to provide the solution at that time. Even just having them sit and accept and recognize where you're at can be of huge benefit to many people. Yes, because actually one of the big things that a psychologist offers is to listen to someone in a very accepting way, accepting the person as they are and where they're at, but also in listening... It creates a space for the person to speak and even to hear themselves speak. And as people speak out a particular problem or difficulty or issue, part of what's happening is the person is taking distance from that problem. And sometimes it's quite remarkable how just being able to speak to someone who'll listen and taking some distance from the problem can give us a different perspective than what we had before. Over and above what we can come up with in our own mind. So it just helps it sometimes seem more real but not so terrible. Not so dark. It doesn't mean that we're pathetic or we're going nuts or something like that. Often it's somewhat understandable to the other person. But even if the other person doesn't fully understand the problem, just to listen and then you can hear yourself speak. That in itself is sometimes a little bit transformative. Well, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe the areas of the brain responsible for speaking and listening are actually different. So often we can be describing something to someone and it comes out in a certain way where you think, I'm actually not sure if I 100% agree with that anymore. Or as I sort of develop this more fully, I actually recognize there's, you know, a hole here or there in what I'm saying. So even just that experience of chatting to someone can be hugely transformative, as you're saying. But If someone wants something maybe with a little bit more knowledge behind it, they can give some more specified information to the person. Where could someone go to seek that info? Well, the first port of call is often a GP. And that's the case anyway because a GP is central in the whole health system. But also GPs would see many people who are struggling emotionally and it would be at least 30% of GP consultations would involve some kind of mental health aspect to it. So GPs are actually very experienced at talking with people about some kind of emotional problems or stress or distress. And also the GPs might know other resources that are relevant. They might know of a local group that's relevant. But they might have certain suggestions themselves and also they might know of other mental health professionals or other professionals other than psychologists or psychiatrists. They, for example, might know of a local counsellor who has a very good reputation for helping people with certain problems. Or they might know of a men's shed where a number of withdrawn fellows have gone and they've found that they've received social support there and it's got them out of their shell or helped them work through certain difficulties. Or they might know of a grief counselling service or some other kind of services. So a GP's going to tend to know of the resources in a particular community, including a range of counsellors. There can also be life coaches and others, some of whom will have more understanding than others about certain kinds of psychological difficulties. So it's partly being open to who else might be in your network as well. And I'd say GPs often have some clue about that as well as word of mouth from friends and others. And it's been interesting this year of all years, we've seen such change in the way that people consume information. And of course, mental health is exactly the same in terms of there's so many more options out there now 
even whether it be for accessing a GP from home or this sort of stuff. But it'd be interesting now to have a look at some of the online resources that you've come across because I'm sure you'll have much better understanding than just the average person who hasn't necessarily delved into some of this sort of stuff before. So is it the case, first of all, that there's a range of new services that have sprouted up since we've had more involvement with, for example, online technology this year? Yes, there are online resources or digital resources, sometimes called e-therapy. So these are programs that have been worked out or developed often by clinical psychologists and lots of research backing them up that can help people to access a program online. So for example, for adults with anxiety or depression, a couple of programs would be one called MindSpot. There's another called eCouch. There's another called Mood Gym. Now, We'll put some information on the web page about these programs so people can look through the different ones because I think it helps people to find something that suits them. But when I mentioned MindSpot, they also have some psychologists who do follow-up calls with people after they've accessed the program online, they've registered, they've filled out a questionnaire that might indicate whether they're struggling with anxiety or depression or some other condition and so it's a little bit tailored to people. That's one really worth considering. And then for parents, because many people seek help for children or parenting and find it's very difficult to book in even for months ahead. So I'll mention there's a Triple P program that is now free in Victoria. It's got decades of research behind it. They've done lots of face-to-face programs, but they've developed a very full online service as well. And so Triple P is worth looking up. That's now free in Victoria. The other ones I mentioned are also free, often throughout Australia. And there's another one for parenting, also called ParentWorks. We'll put the information about these on the webpage, as I mentioned. But it's worth checking out the online resources. But they'll work better if before accessing them, you think of the answer you'd give to the first question a psychologist would often ask, which is, what do you hope to gain from seeing me? Or, what do you hope to gain from getting help with this particular problem. If you were to see a psychologist, what would you hope to gain? What might you hope to gain from the program? I want to feel more calm. I want to feel more confident of managing with this particular situation. I want to deal with my conflict with so-and-so. I want to sleep better. The more specific you can be with your questions, the more you'll likely find a program more tailored to your interests and the more likely you will be to actively follow through with the recommendations and the guidance and it's actively following through to make change. Whether you see a psychologist or go through an online program, it's the active steps that you take that are somewhat practical. Even if they're small, they might be tiny steps, but active positive steps is what helps you feel some momentum. It's the momentum, feeling of moving forward. That's what helps people's peace of mind and confidence more than anything else. Well, it's an interesting point, that one, because I remember before actually realising sort of that that was the first question that psychologists asked, I almost had this perception of going into therapy and, and not having any concept of what it would be like. There's almost this notion that you get fixed by someone or that the psychologist helps to fix something to do with your mental health. But it's not like that at all, is it? It's more that the psychologist looks to collaborate with someone and looks to be a partner in essentially you pursuing your own mental health. 
Very much so. So there's truth in that old joke. You know, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> Everyone will have heard that joke. But it is the notion of being active in looking to do something to help oneself. And psychologists have the advantage of being able to listen deeply to the things that people are bringing up. And the psychologist will recognise patterns in the difficulties that people have, whether it's anxiety or obsessional problems or depression or conflict and will be aware of many ways that people have recovered from these problems in the past. So psychologists naturally have an advantage with that. But by the same token, if the person is picking up on their need or desire, how they would like things to be different, how would things look different if it turned out more the direction the way you want? And if you can pick up something practical, it makes a difference. Psychologists also monitor and they follow through with people. They ask people to see if they've followed through with some strategy they were going to follow. How did it work? Did it go well, half well, not work? Is it worth trying something else? Now, this means more work for the person to do themselves if they're going through online resources, but we can ask the same questions and it's about finding a direction. You mentioned some of those online programs that we can access, Dad, and I think it's also worth mentioning some of the online resources that we can access as well, including some of the resources that we have on our practice website too. So do you want to just speak a little bit to what they are and what people could potentially get out of those? Yes, well, these are basically all on the resources page of our website, and we've developed these over many years, and I'll highlight nearly all the clinical handouts that we use to clients that we've developed within the practice are available on our website. There's some others on trauma and post-traumatic stress. We will be including those too in the next couple of weeks. So all the practice-based clinical handouts that we use that we've developed the original material based on feedback from clients, that will all be on our website, the resources page free. And that's also the purpose behind this podcast, Psych Spills and Silver Linings. Most of the clinical topics that we discuss with clients, certainly for adults, nearly all of the main kind of themes that come up in our clinical sessions, we've got a podcast on. So I think this is the 30th podcast for this year, that covers a whole range of topics around anxiety, depression, trauma, dissociation, avoidance, OCD, anger. The common ones people will find on this website page for psych spills and silver linings. So this can also supplement the online digital programs that we were talking about, like MindSpot or eCouch or Mood Gym. So I think it's a matter of people picking out the aspects of these resources that apply to them or are meaningful to them. But these days we're finding that a number of people are presenting for help at our practice and they've already had a real head start, whether it be anger or dissociation or avoidance, because they've gone through the materials in our clinical handouts and our podcast first. And it's of course not just our practice that puts out great resources for mental health too. I know the Centre for Clinical Interventions out of Perth or the CCI as they're known for short, they have some great material on a whole range of things to do with mental health. And as someone in my position as well who's not, for example, mental health trained, sometimes you can look at some of the theory behind some of this stuff and things can even fall into place for yourself. You don't even necessarily have to go and see someone. It can just be more about being exposed to the information in the first place and recognising for yourself where that fits in for you. Yes, and I should mention with that, just to be exposed to a wide range of resources, we also have links at the resource page of our website and that will have links to 
also the Black Dog Institute, to Beyond Blue, to CCI Health, as you mentioned. Many, many handouts around all sorts of different topics that people can access. So there's that. There's also reading books. You might get information from a GP about that or from friends or from looking up self-help material or even through Google you might find things that are relevant. So it can come from a range of resources and it's being open to that. And YouTube is one that I come across fairly regularly. And whether it be YouTube or podcasts or, as you say, books, that sort of thing, there is so much information out there and people want to put out more information. So people are looking for eyeballs all the time to be able to access their great materials. So there is so much out there. But, Dad, it's not just about accessing information, is it? It's also about recognising what our own personal recipe for mental health might be. So... That's a bit of a, a broad thing. Everyone's got to have their own personal recipe, of course. But what are some common things that people can often add to their own personal recipe for mental health that will make an immediate difference? One of the first things is physical exercise. Like a few bouts of aerobic exercise each week of about 40 minutes can work as well as antidepressants for depression. That's powerful. So physical exercise works very well for depression and anxiety. It helps to have some anxiety-reducing strategy like mindfulness techniques or meditation or yoga. And if people Google these, you'll be able to find a whole range of alternatives under, for example, mindfulness or relaxation techniques. We've also got videos on our website that talks about some of these strategies. Anything that helps sleep, and there'll be sleep tips that people will be able to find online, and part of that's having a pre-sleep routine. Tending to get up at a certain time each day can help. And generally, having routines through the day that work for us. Having routines around eating and sleeping can be very worthwhile. Drawing on social supports makes a real difference. And also diet. Plenty of fruit and vegetables, balanced diet. But these are the key things for physical and mental health. Exercise, diet, sleep, social support, a way of reducing our arousal levels. And if we work on any one or two of those, persistently over weeks and notice a difference, even doing a relaxation technique for four weeks will have benefits six months down the track. Engaging in physical activity regularly will have ongoing benefits to our brain chemistry and our well-being. So these things can be powerful. It's a matter of being active in a coping way don't have to be mastering everything on top of everything. Active coping, following through, this will make a difference. And one thing that we've spoken about on the podcast before that I think is really helpful as well is that idea of recognising your stress signature. Because for me, some of those things that you spoke about there, when I can recognise that they're being affected, whether I you know, don't feel like getting up in the morning doing exercise or whether you notice your sleep being affected, that can at times be a bit of a sign that it's worth really being conscious and getting on top of things before you start to feel worse than you do at that stage. Yes, and, and finally with that as well, I'd say overall, knowing your pattern of character strength. So going right back to the start of this podcast, the first one or two episodes, things like character strengths, physical activity, we started this podcast with some of these fundamental strategies because they're the ones that have the most reliable boost for well-being. And we applied that at the start of the COVID era when we're all facing some adversity and we were looking at the ones that are more tried and true. Well, 
Hopefully there's something in there for everyone out there who may require a little bit of extra assistance at the moment because it has been such a tough year for so many people and I think if we can look to really leverage some of the resources that are out there, the more people will also look to create more resources in that way too. So thanks so much for chatting with me today, Dad. I'll look forward to the next one. Thanks, Rowan. And a final shout out for Lifeline. There are always ways of speaking to a person and Lifeline is a wonderful service around Australia and we'll see that numbers on the website as well. And we'll certainly pop up on the website at chrismackey.com.au slash podcast. All of the resources that we've spoken about, the programs that we've spoken about today and like Lifeline, there's a range of emergency numbers that you can call if you are in a situation where you do need to get onto someone quickly. So thanks again, Dad. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Rowan.